Welcome to Day 64 of Shaped by the Word, Season 3 of the Story of the Prophets. I'm Paul Kemp here with Katie Kresge, Matt Kresge, and David Keefe. We continue to read through the prophets uh, as they prepare us for the New Testament and the story of the New Testament. And this week is going to be fun in Isaiah. You're going to see a lot of hints of uh, you know, the final chapters of Scripture, you know, actually the unfolding of Revelation, the unfolding of the great banquet and the presence of the Lord. Uh, but you continue to have the rhythm as you read through the prophecies of, of, of both hope and judgment. And you're going to see as we read through this week, you're going to hear the word in that day several times. And that day is a day that is both great and terrible. Uh, it's great because it is the finalization of God's redemption, but it is terrible because that involves judgments of the nations as well. Mm-hmm. And so the particular section we're in runs from uh, chapter 13 all the way through chapter 27, uh, where Isaiah, or where God pronounces judgments on all of the nations that surround Israel, enemies both old and new, uh, and also the nations they've envied and the nations that they've hated. Uh, we come today to uh, God's judgment uh, on Jerusalem. So we're reading in Isaiah chapter 22. Before we read, as always, uh, we pause and realize what a gift we've been given you know, from God, uh, that He has revealed His heart and His character to us in Scripture. He has shown us who He is and what He has done on our behalf, what is required of us. Uh, he has called us into a relationship with Himself and fellowship with Himself. And he does a work in us, not only so that we can receive the gospel, but so that we can live out the riches of the gospel as we're transformed by his spirit and the image of his son. So a lot happens when God's people uh, come to God's word. So uh, before we read, let's uh, pause to offer ourselves, offer this moment, uh, offer this week uh, indeed to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. We thank you for every little grace that we experience that is a a foretaste of an even greater grace that we have in you. Uh, We thank you for the means of grace. We thank you, Father, that you meet us in your word and through your word you complete your work in us. And uh, we hear the words of Isaiah that as the rain and the snow come from heaven and water the earth and make it blood and flourish, so is your word that comes out from your mouth that accomplishes the purposes for which you sent it and it never returns to you empty. And Father, we rejoice in that truth uh, as, as we worship through word today. Uh, we ask you to use your word uh, to build us up, to cause us to flourish in you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Isaiah 22, a prophecy against the valley of vision. What troubles you now that you have all gone up on the roofs? You town so full of commotion, your city of tumult and revelry. Your slain were not killed by the sword, nor did they die in battle. All your leaders have fled together. They've been captured without using the bow. All of you were caught or taken prisoners together, having fled while the enemy was still far away. Therefore I said, turn away from me. Let me weep bitterly. Do not try to console me over the destruction of my people. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, has a day of tumult and trampling and terror in the valley of vision, a day of battering down walls, of crying out to the mountains. Elam takes up the quiver with her charioteers and her horses. Curran covers the shield. Your choices valleys are full of chariots and horsemen are posted at the city gates. The Lord stripped away the fences of Judah, and you looked in that day to the weapons in the palace of the forest. You saw the walls of the city of David were broken through in many places. You stored up water in the lower pool. You counted in the buildings in Jerusalem and tore down houses to strengthen the wall. 
You built a reservoir between two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to the one who made it or regard have a regard for the one who planned it long ago. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, called you on that day to weep and to wail, to tear out your hair and to put on sackcloth. See, there is joy and revelry, slaughtering of cattle and killing of sheep, eating of meat and drinking of wine. Let us eat and drink, you say, for tomorrow we die. Lord Almighty has revealed this in my hearing. Till your dying day, the sin will not be atoned for, says the Lord, the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says. Go say to the steward, to Shebna, the palace administrator, what are you doing here and who gave you permission to cut out a grave for yourself here, hewing your grave on the height and chiseling your resting place in the rock? Beware, the Lord is about to take firm hold of you and hurl you away, you mighty man. He will roll you up tightly like a ball and throw you into a large country. There you will die. And there the chariots you were so proud of will become a disgrace to your master's house. I will depose you from your office and you will uh, be ousted from your position. And that day I'll summer, summon my servant Elakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. I'll place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will become a seat of honor for the house of his father. All the glory of his family will hang on him, its offspring and offshoots, all its lesser vessels from the bowls to all the jars. And that day, declares the Lord Almighty, the peg driven into the firm place will give way. It will be sheared off and will fall, and the load hanging on it will be cut down. The Lord has spoken. Uh, you have a lot of things happening here. One of the interesting things that uh, you have happening here is uh, both in the prophecy in chapter 21 against Babylon and the prophecy against uh, Jerusalem in chapter 22, he does not call them out by name. He calls uh, Babylon, uh, you desert by the sea, and he calls Jerusalem the Valley of Vision. Both of these uh, kind of turn out to be ironic you know, titles. Uh, because uh, Babylon will indeed become a, a desert and not a major port and all of that in Jerusalem, even though she is a place where the prophets have come in the Valley of Vision and, and the valley where you know these visions you know have originated as well, uh, they are a valley that does not listen to the visions. And so all their instincts in this chapter are exactly the opposite of what they should be as a people who hear the vision of the Lord and repent and return to him uh, with all of their might. And you see that contrast with uh, Isaiah, right? Isaiah gets the vision. He says, therefore, turn away, uh, therefore, I said, turn away from me. Let me weep bitterly. Do not try to console me over the destruction of my people. And, and then when he describes them, you know, he says, you look to everything but to the one, you know, the one who you should have looked to. You, you did not return to the Lord, but you returned to all these other things from your defenses to water reservoirs to even just like, let's party because we're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> Is that you've looked to anything and everything except for to the Lord. Right. Uh, rather than uh, rather than repenting and crying out to the Lord, of course, he says, tearing out your hair, yeah. which I've never quite repented that much. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the images are strong. Uh, you should have had great sorrow and uh, you should have humbled yourself before the Lord. Instead, you build up your, your fortified walls and your pools, and uh, you look to your chariots and the palace administrators, counting all of the mm-hmm. you know, different armaments you have and you know, giving confidence you know, to the people around. And, and yet underneath, you know that none of this will be any good, and so your posture is one of celebration. Let's just make the best of our last moment you know, rather than you know, calling out on the Lord. 
which is so turned inward and and something that we are also guilty of. I mean, how often do we find ourselves in a place of crisis? Um, and it doesn't have to be crisis, but specifically here it is. And we look to everything except for to the Lord yeah. and his answers and his provision. And I mean, I'm so guilty of that, of looking immediately to either Google. I've probably mentioned that here before, like looking immediately to Google or to um, like texting a person to try to get their wisdom and, and their knowledge on it instead of first looking to the Lord. And we see that um, we see that here with Isaiah, who's who is weeping um, and lamenting. And we see it with Nehemiah when his, when he hears news um, of Jerusalem and the wall. And I mean, he immediately laments and he immediately weeps and, and goes to the Lord. Um, and so that's just, that is what struck me is that specific, those few verses here is just where are we, lo- where are we looking? Um, and normally our first um, natural look because we're broken is inward and to those and downward instead of upward um, that that caused me to look upward for sure and of course in modern you know psychoanalytic terms uh, you know you have the eating and drinking which is really a form of medicating rather than Mm -hmm. uh, dealing with a crisis Uh, we're just numbing numbing the pain ignoring the real issues and responding by looking to our own abilities or responding by just deadening our senses, you know, to what is really going on rather than hearing a word from the Lord and rather you know, responding from the Lord in the way, you know, that it's called for here. And it's also, you know, there's two parts that they were talking about, you know, looking to the one um, who, who made it, but also having regard for the one who planned it mm-hmm. long ago. And, you know, that's a look to trust in the sovereignty of the Lord and to trust him and, and know this might be part of your plan, this suffering and this judgment and this difficulty. But in that, I mean, like all of us, when things are going well, we don't tend to look at the Lord. But then when they do go well, sometimes we do. But he's saying, no, you need to have regard for the one who planned this and, and turn to him and obviously look to him, but also then trust in him, even in that difficulty, which yeah. is even a little more difficult. And of course, at the end of, you know, the, end of the chapter, you have you know, Shebna and Eliakim. And uh, these were both, you know, palace administrators, which means, you know, the best and the brightest of the land uh, called to measure the resources of the entire city and the entire, you know, kingdom. And, of course, uh, Shebna is so proud of the work he's done. He's preparing for himself a monument and for a a tomb. And he said, why are you doing that? They're going to be buried on faraway land where you'll be forgotten. And the number of chariots that you numbered in order to reassure your king will be your shame Mm -hmm. that you trusted him. And then after him will come one who is a, a little bit more humble and a little bit more trustworthy. He will be for a time a firm peg, you know, that's put in the wall and bears all the weight of his family and all the weight of the nation indeed. But even in time, uh, the firm peg will be sheared off and will be broken. Mm-hmm. So even the best of the best of the best, even men with good character and good intentions uh, are inadequate. Uh, only the Lord is, is, is that sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sure peg that will hold the weight of everything you know that we place on him yeah no which is just that good reminder i guess there is a sure peg and the sure <laughs> peg to come in christ to some extent i mean because these guys aren't able to do it and we've seen that throughout the whole story even history of redemption now story of the prophets and so that is that great hope that we have is not in these men but in 
the one man Christ, you know, who can hold everything yeah. together, mm-hmm. um, which is where our hearts need to be and where they're often sadly not. Yeah, they're not. Um, on that note, David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah. Father, we thank you so much for Christ, um, who is our, our true, firm foundation. Um, though all may be going uh, in ways we don't want it to go, we do know that we can trust in you. And we know that even that trust in you isn't something we muster up, but it's a gift you give us. And so may you give us the, the deep grace of being able to take all of our hurts and pains and difficulties to you, knowing that we can come to you and approach your throne of grace um, with confidence, not in what we've done, but in what Christ has done for us, what he's secured for us. Um, may that be an anchor for our souls today. We pray that all in his wonderful name. Amen. Amen.